Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Pass the Bullwad. This is our fifth episode where we are talking about how we navigate our lives as first-gen college students. So welcome back. This is a continuation of the last episode, if you did listen to it, where we talk about our personality traits, um, personality tests, including Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. The last episode, episode four, we talked about what our Myers-Briggs results were. And this episode, we'll be talking about our Enneagram results. And if you didn't know what the Enneagram test is, it's basically um, another personality test that helps us understand ourselves at a deeper, more objective level and is, as they quote, invaluable assistance to our path of self-knowledge. Basically, Enneagram rates us on a, not rates, gives us a number on a scale of one to nine. Um, not any number is better than the other. It's just like a neutral identifying factor. Um, and you're given one number that is most identi- that identifies you the most, but you're also different weights of different numbers. Um, they believe that the one number you get is stays the same throughout your whole life. So as you grow, you shouldn't be changing numbers. Um, is as at least what they said on their um their test website so um i mean even if it changes for you maybe there's like one that's most identifying for you because it's supposed to talk about like your core um like the core ways that you make decisions and what kind of makes who you are um today we're going to kind of skip Whoop! Skip. <laughs> um. Oh shoot! I forgot to introduce ourselves. <laughs> so after all that, I am still your MC, Gloria. I'm young. Hello, I'm Sophia. And if you could tell already, we are recording this on the same day we recorded our Myers break. So we are very warmed up already. And we're ready to just jump in. So there's no question of the day today. It's still the same day. Um, If you wanted to know how our weeks went and what the question of the day was, please tune in to episode four, where we had a heated discussion on whether a straw had one hole or two or more. Or Um, more. (laughs) But yeah. Um, So let's just jump right into the Enneagram. Um. First, as I asked in the last episode, uh, what do you guys feel about Enneagram? Um, Do you believe in it? Is it something that you feel like is accurate? How do you feel about it being one number that you are for the rest of your life and it doesn't change? Mm, That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I looked it up because I wanted to know what they're trying to tell us in the test. Like, what kind of test is it? And they're like, yeah, like this number shouldn't change as you grow up in life. That's crazy because I hope it would. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, maybe it's just because the way we grew up and 
it's just already molded us into our core values, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I also say, say would say the same. I feel like it might be stem. It might be stemming from like our childhood. Yeah, that kind of motivates or not motivates that personality con- to continue. Mm-hmm. So I see that I do see how like it could be hard to change or like our number changing because if it's done from our childhood then usually it's hard to break that yeah something really chaotic happens and it changes mm-hmm. it entirely not chaotic uh, something that they do kind of different is they do have a diagram that has arrows in it so like if you guys are listening and you want to pull up the enneagram diagram it is like a circle with a bunch of arrows pointing to different numbers um so what they say is that you are a core number um but you do point to different numbers when you are in say like a period of growth or a period of stress you would point to different numbers and those numbers tend to be the opposite direction of where you are um so that's kind of how different like maybe how you feel or like different times will contribute to different um, kind of personality identifications. So there's like a lot of different things that you can read a lot more about Enneagrams, but it definitely does allow you to, you know, not be super stuck in one number. Um, Yeah. So we can dive right in to Jung. So Jung is a type six with... 98% 98% type 6 and 97% type 9. So very close um, between 9 and 6, but we're, we will go with 6 as the most highest percentage. Um, so the 6 is loyalist. Ooh. And what a loyalist, the key words for loyalist is that you're committed and security-oriented security type. So you're engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. But the Myers-Berg just told me I lacked commitment. <laughs> <laughs> your myers is probably like one of your different feeling or mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I took it right so. after each other, though. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. That's a good thing to note. <laughs> um, they do describe you as someone who's reliable, hardworking, responsible, and trustworthy. Um, something that I think is very interesting that they put is they also gave you a basic fear, and your basic fear is of being without support and guidance. Um, they also go into a little more deep in how when they're describing how their system works. So there is a dominant emotion for each of the three categories that I gave out earlier. So in the five, six, seven category your dominant emotion is fear and what it said is that you sixes exhibit the most fear of all three types um and you experience them as anxiety and which causes them to be most out of touch with their own sense of inner knowing and confidence you have a problem of trusting your own mind and you're constantly looking outside yourself for something to make you feel more sure of yourself um and you may even begin to doubt the very people and beliefs that you have turned to for reassurance. Um, and sometimes if you're good at it, you might respond to your fear by confronting it, though. Um, and 
defying your fear and effort to be free of it. So it sounds like you doubt yourself a lot. Is that kind of something that you relate to? Yeah, <laughs> I do relate to that. I mean, um, I guess like how I feel is kind of more like, how can I be so sure about everything? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, right? Like if I am doing something for someone, like how do I know that this is what they want me to do like mm-hmm. or like this is exactly what they want me to do and like sometimes I just question myself because I'm not sure if this is this is what they're like if this met their expectations or not and like I don't want to let them down mm-hmm. because I don't know I don't want I don't like letting people down <laughs> yeah uh, and I want I want to like um perform what someone expects me to perform you know Mm. so if i don't provide that it kind of makes me feel insecure and like especially if they don't tell you and they're just kind of like passive about it and they're like oh um not like this but (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hate that that. just just tell me and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, so your basic fear of being without support and guidance leads to your basic desire of wanting security and support. So it sounds like you kind of depend on people um, or like security and support to really define and understand yourself. So without that security and support, it's kind of hard for you to understand yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you feel like that kind of ties to like being scared of like being abandoned? Because then, like that, I think that goes almost hand in hand, like losing that support and guidance. Yeah, I think that comes from like the way that I grew up because um, I'm the only child in my family, and it's just me and my mom. And I mean, like growing up, it's always just me doing everything. And supporting myself because I mean like she doesn't really know much about like going to college applying for financial aid or like um guiding me through um like success in life or just um like the American stuff you know like mm-hmm. you should save up for retirement you should budget yeah. you should do you should buy a house you should like get a credit card to get your credit score up and stuff like that like just life stuff and I feel like I've had to figure a lot of that stuff out for myself and it was just like an uphill battle of like am I doing this right or like is this what I'm supposed to be doing so I found a lot of support through my friendships um by asking people like is this what I'm supposed to be doing like do you guys do this too and I feel like that's kind of like the security that I want because I don't know if I'm doing anything right because no one told me and nobody know nobody knows yeah um and then another thing that they pointed out that it's crazy they say this because it says you're loyal to your friends and your beliefs ideas and systems and you don't want to be abandoned and left without support so you're very loyal to everything because you don't want to be left behind (laughs) 
Yes, I do not want to. Don't leave me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they also believe they don't possess an internal resource to handle life's challenges alone. So that's why they find um, they're not confident in themselves, and they find a lot of security in friends and other support systems. How about how? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's pretty true. <laughs> I like I said before, I like solid friendships <laughs> like i feel happy when i know that there's someone that i can really rely on um if i'm in crisis whether emotional wh- whether i need just like emotional support or just like some life advice or something i think it's really nice if i can have someone to reassure me to just let me know that I'm not doing life wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that's also like, it's basically what you said um, that you, you said that you found it hard to um, navigate through like all the American life and like college, credit scores, whatever, house, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then right here it just says that you believe you don't possess the internal resource to handle life's challenges alone. <laughs> I really do not. I mean, they yeah, just like I said, out of your mouth. Yeah, website. Truly, this is better than Myers Briggs. <laughs> you heard it here first. Take the enneagram for more accurate results. <laughs> I feel like it pinpoints yeah. like a lot of like deep down thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I feel like enneagram is a little deeper when you start reading all the stuff there's a lot to go there too but Mm -hmm. just pulling out like the basic idea of it um there's also this very interesting thing for enneagram where they um give you like levels of development so there are healthy levels where you're like at your best self and there's also unhealthy levels where and it gets like really deep and scary when you're down there um the there's also the average level. Um, so I can read out some of the levels and the descriptions for them. If you're like level nine, which is the most unhealthy, it's like hysterical and seeking out to escape punishment. They become self-destructive and suicidal. Alcoholism, drug overdose, and self a self-abasing, abusing behavior generally corresponds to passive aggressive and paranoid personality disorders. So that's like the extreme of what would happen if you're like, I guess, at a really unhealthy level, not taking care of yourself, that type. Mm-hmm. But at your best, you can be self-affirming, trusting of self and others, independent yet symbiotic, interdependent, and cooperative as e- an equal. You, be- you would believe in self leads to true courage, positive thinking, leadership, and rich self-expression. Yeah, so I guess that would be like something you would strive to be. <laughs> I think I'm definitely trying to work on trying to work on being more um, assertive with the way that I talk and stuff. Because I've read like articles on LinkedIn and and there were like ways that you can uh, like sound less passive as like a a working woman in a uh, 
the corporate field where it's like removing words like oh i just wanted to check in to see what blah 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 and stuff like that so i've noticed that i'm trying to actively say like oh i want to check in and this is what i want and not just being like oh hey like like just like owning the space that i take you know yes we love that definitely very hard i feel like i feel like i always catch myself like saying like oh i just wanted to see if you're doing okay and then trying to like um get what i want after that and yeah just, like try- trying to create a conversation first when i can just go in and be like hi i need this <laughs> yeah yeah that's something i'm working on as well i think it definitely creates like a different atmosphere like of just like how people perceive you and yeah. i think it's a really good thing to like work on um yeah mm-hmm. and then a very fun part that i love about the enneagram is they give you potential addictions you might have <laughs> and so your addictions that they give you is rigidity diet causes nutritional imbalances such like such mm. as like i don't like vegetables um you may work excessively caffeine uh depend on caffeine for stamina but also alcohol and depressants to deaden anxiety higher success susceptibility to alcoholism than many types that's interesting (laughs) what do you think about that i don't think this is true at all (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's good to hear well first of all i don't really have a rigid diet tbh i love food and <laughs> yeah i eat like almost everything um maybe like maybe sometimes i eat a little unhealthy and causes nutritional imbalance <laughs> but i love everyone I mean, though yeah i mean i don't think it's to the point where i'm like super unhealthy or something mm-hmm. but um working excessively i don't know man (laughs) i think definitely when i have the motivation i like have like spurts of energy where i'm just like let's get this shit done (laughs) yeah but i think i know how to relax too and then yeah and then for caffeine Dude, caffeine does not work on me. Like, <laughs> I could sleep in an instant. I don't know if you guys can relate, but like, I would. I mean, in college, like, people would drink caffeine and stay up, but like, I can't. Even if I drink like yerba mate, <sighs> double shot espresso, like, I could still sleep. Damn, oh, that's crazy. For me, caffeine would just get me like super like. My heart would start beating, and like even like writing would be getting kind of hard if I drink too much. But I still feel tired. Like on the inside, I'm yeah, still yeah, yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, but, like my heart is beating, but when yeah. I lay down, my body melts into the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Sophia, you might be one the only one here that can actually use caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, it's true. I feel like it, it, it really gives me up a lot, like late at night. And it, but the thing is, like the negative thing is that, like it's, like when I have too much of it, it kind of like makes me shake a lot, 
mm-hmm. and my anxiety goes up. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like it's like give and take kind of thing. But then like, at that point, I can't just I can't even concentrate anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's why I have to like drink water and like take a breather. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. I remember, like, when I first started college, I thought caffeine didn't work at me on me at all. So I was just kind of, like, drinking it because, like, the taste of coffee is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, but then, like, recently, I think because I drank it so much, it started taking effect. But in the, in the way that, like, I would drink a cup of coffee and then go to my, like, morning lectures. And then I would just sit there, like... <gasps> <laughs> like, I would be, like, very tired still because I woke up. But, like just like kind of shaking but then yeah. just like trying to focus on the fact that i'm like shaking and like trying yeah. to not make a big deal and like ma- cause like a distraction but yeah. then at that point i'm just like not listening anymore i'm just like uh it's <laughs> not like drug addicts <laughs> like, where's that little ground for me where like i'm awake and nice and just yeah. like doing work <laughs> i honestly feel like caffeine takes the biggest toll when you're at your most deprived times which is sounds like addiction. Yeah, yeah dude. But, like, but that <laughs> first sip of coffee in the morning is so good. Yeah, I just no, love like, the smell of coffee. Yeah, me too. Like when you drink black coffee at like twelve o'clock in the morning, it hits more often. Twelve o'clock in the like twelve a.m. like midnight. Yeah, you be oh. drinking coffee at midnight. No, like that's what I would do when I or like yerba. It would be like yerba mate is like the blue for blue for one. Oh, blue i like that one. flavor uh dude like that one take that one hits really hard like it it, it takes you places not like that but like it keeps you up uh, it's what i meant i'm also really slow at drinking things say okay maybe that's why yeah because i remember i i was like trying to study for my final the next day and then i drank um triple shot starbucks and then i drank um yerba and before you're about to die before i even finished the yerba i already fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh yeah maybe you need to like have do it in like shots like how you do alcohol where you just like yeah, I don't even drink alcohol like that. <laughs> but like my friend, my friend kind of like recommended this thing where like you you down the yerba, you and then you take a nap. I don't know if you'll wake up, but like you take a nap for twenty no. minutes and it'll energize you. <laughs> I can't like, wake up. The different flux in your um chemicals. Do I always? Whenever I would have to study in the morning, I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna sleep early and wake up in twenty <laughs> minutes and study. I wake up the next day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Oh god! Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. I love sleeping. Like, <laughs> uh, well, going back to your addictions, do you <laughs> feel like you would be the alcoholic type? Is there like, or do you do you know if your family has like a alcoholism thing? <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, nah. My dad was an alcoholic. I mean, he died from alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> Ah yeah, um, well, but they said it I don't right hear. Yeah, I mean, he was an alcoholic, but I don't really feel like I am, cause I don't know. I don't really have that desire to. I feel like I don't need to drink to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, definitely when I do drink, it 
makes me more talkative and I think more annoying. <laughs> but like um I don't drink often and if I do, I never go over my limit because I just can't. Like my stomach starts hurting oh. and I I can't do it. Even if I want to, like sometimes I'll be like, "Okay, today is the day I'm going to black out." <laughs> And then, like, when I get there, I'm just like, mm, it hurts now. Nah. Oh. <laughs> and also, I hate peeing. Huh? I hate peeing. Uh, like, you know, like, when you drink, like, uh, your bladder go- goes, like... Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I seriously hate taking down my pants and peeing and, like, wiping, like, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I just... Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> the peace when you... I think alcohol is like the longest pees I've taken in Seriously. my life. And then the lines to the bathrooms are always oh so long. And yeah. then the bathroom it gets disgusting. Yeah, because people are yakking and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not very. Yeah. It's not yeah. right. <laughs> I just want to touch base like on one of the other points of like working excessively. I feel like you said like. You said what you said, but I feel like when from like the previous podcast, you were, you mentioned how like you had a lot of work work on your plate, as in not even just like like work academically or whatever, but like taking on like different positions, like whether it be like working at the boba place or like taking more classes. I think that could, would be considered like working ex- excessively. Like, what did you think? Uh, about that? Oh yeah, I guess I never really thought about that because. It always feels like I'm not doing enough. Even ah, that's the drive to end up working excessively, man. Yeah, you're always gonna feel like you're not doing enough to the point, and then at one point you're gonna wake up and be like, "I'm doing too much." Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, because I maybe these are like instead of addictions, they're like warning that you might be yeah. addicted to these easily. True. Yeah, I do have a problem where I always think I'm not doing enough. Or, like, I always compare myself to other people and, like, I'm like, oh, they're doing, like, so many positions. And then I get curious. I'm like, oh, seems cool. I want to join. And then I join and then there's too much. (laughs) Yeah. I guess. Well, we can take these addictions as warnings. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we can wrap up your Enneagram with the recommendations that they have. I'm just going to read some of them out. Remember that there's nothing unusual about being anxious since everyone is anxious and much more often than you might think. Learn to be more present to your anxiety, explore it, and come to terms with it. I have a question. Yeah. Have you guys ever had an anxiety attack? Yeah. What's that feel? So. Is it like I- when you're just like heavily breathing or? Yeah, I think it goes alongside with that. Um, I think it's like when, like, I kind of read about it where, like, you, you feel heavy in your heart, like, and everything clenches, like, mm-hmm. you feel like there's no sense of control. And then you're, I think it's also like when your thoughts are, like, kind of racing really fast. And, like, yeah, I guess it's just like lo- losing that sense of control. And, like, um, like you, and that tends to give your body a shock, I think. I'm not, like, really certain about, like, anxiety attack, but, like, from what I read, because of, like, what I experienced that, I think that's, like, the basic underlining thing of, like, an anxiety attack. I feel like I've experienced a bit, experienced it, but I'm not completely sure if it was or not. 
I feel like, like for me, I don't think it was like an attack. It was just more like, it, and it happens like a lot. So like, I I just have to like deal with it. It's like, especially every time I want to like start doing some work. Mm-hmm. Um, Like when I like open the tab or whatever, like my heart would start racing and I would get like super sweaty. And then oh. like, I can't concentrate on what I need yeah. to do. Um, so a lot of times I end up not doing what I intend to do. Even like if it's like a the personal project I'm working on, like if it's labeled as work in my head, it's just like I just it's really hard for me to get started. Um, and like the only way for me to like actually start working is just to like sit through those five minutes of like sweating and heart racing, and then it'll, I'll calm down. But then a lot of times, like I don't want to do with that, so I just go and do something else. And like oh, wow. play games or something. Oh dang. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I have like a lot of like sweating heart racing moments. And like I don't know. It's just like it was something I had for like since like high middle school, high school too. And uh, I just kind of like Is that normal? Um I don't know. But yeah, that's I mean it also happened when like I went to live in New York for myself, right? And I was just living alone. And, like, uh-huh. being alone was kind of scary. So I just, like, I had to deal with that for, like, a couple of weeks when I first got there. Uh-huh. Um, but then it got better, and then I was okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. Oof. So what were my recommendations? Uh, you tend to get edgy and testy when you're upset or angry. And you can oh. turn, even turn on others and blame them for things you have done. Oh, and, that's or true. on yourself. <laughs> Be That's aware 100%. of your pessimism because um, it can cause you dark moves and get negative thought patterns that you tend to project on reality. When you succumb to the self-doubt, you can become your worst enemy and may harm yourself more than anyone else does. <laughs> that just reminds me of how you argue with your mom. Yeah, I just thought that too. <laughs> oh man, my toxic traits. Yeah, and then just work on becoming more trusting. There are doubtless several people in your life that you can turn to who care about you and who are trustworthy if not go out of your way to find someone trustworthy and allow yourself to become close to that person this will mean risking rejection and stirring up a lot of deepest fears (laughs) but the risk is worth taking you have a gift of forgetting people to like you but you are unsure of yourself and may be afraid of making that commitment to them therefore come down clearly on one side or the other of the fence in your relationship and let people know how you feel about them. Hmm. Yeah. I should definitely let people know how I feel about them more. Yeah. Yeah, telling people I appreciate them. It's I mean, so awkward sometimes though. On your fence, that looks like you're doing a good job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's only shared with a few. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on it, it's towards a person and then that person responded to it. so i think it's a definitely a step forward and like what gloria is saying like you don't not everyone needs to know it's like a relationship between you and the other person that's so, true not everyone needs to know it's your own relationship to wrap yeah. it up others probably think of you better than you realize and feel people are really out there to get you in fact your fears tell you more about your attitude towards others then they indicate about others' attitudes towards you. Interesting. Just, uh, yeah. The... Scary. <laughs> How accurate this is. Yeah. 
right, let's move on to our helper, Sophia. So interestingly, Sophia has um, 98% on both type 2 and type 8. Mm. And interestingly enough, type 2, when under stress, become type 8. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so according to the Enneagram, um, when you're in your growth moments, you tend to become a type 4. And in your stress moments, you tend to become a type 8. Oh. So I guess you're <laughs> kind of stressed right now. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's talk about Sophia. She's type two helper, um, um, which is the caring interpersonal type. Um, so here again, we see the interpersonalness that came out in Myers-Briggs. You're generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. Um, mm. your, some keywords that also describe you is empathetic, sincere, and warm-hearted. Your basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. Mm. So your basic desire mm. is to feel loved. Mm. Um, you also have your uh, dominant emotion. Um, so for twos, it is to attempt. You're trying to attempt to control your shame by getting people to like them or like you and think uh, think of you as good people. You also want to conceive yourself that you're good, loving people by focusing on your positive feeling towards other while repressing your negative feelings. As long as twos can get positive emotional responses from others, they feel wanted and are able to control feelings of shame. Um, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, during your time of stress, you t twos suddenly become aggressive, dominating um, eights. Wow. Wow. Yeah, which is your other one. Um, but yeah, you like to do things for people. So possibly, maybe, so that you feel needed. You think that's true? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely true. And so I guess that's why I reacted the way that I did when Jung mentioned, like, this mentioned it being selfish. And I think I did come somewhat come to realization that maybe I am pretty like selfishly motivated when I'm doing that. Um, even though there's like a part of like humanitarian kind of thing in me that I feel like I think I'm doing it for the better good. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that's why I kind of like triggered some emotion for when it when it was mentioned. Um, uh, wait, I wasn't saying that it's selfish. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, it's a theory that people have. No, but I think, like, I sometimes feel like maybe some things I've been doing is selfish. That's why when you said I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, it made me kind of think about it. Um, but then I did also mention that, like, it's kind of split. Like, I guess, like, I want to feel needed. and. But, like, as I'm doing it, like, I see, like, how happy the other people are when they receive, like, that kind of service that we provide out. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I guess, like, that's why I feel, like, kind of, like, boggled when it was said, because I feel split in half sometimes. Um, or, like, it kind of conflicts. I guess both of them are pretty conflicting. Like, it's kind of, like, a good, towards the good and towards the bad. And so I guess I try to, like make it sound better than 
and don't want to admit that like oh it's probably for my own like wanting to feel a certain way yeah yeah it says like average to unhealthy twos seek validations of their worth by obeying their super goals demand to sacrifice themselves for others and you believe that you must always put others first to be loving and unselfish if you want to get loved yeah that's scary because like i feel like sometimes that's true um i definitely had a pretty hard time trying to feel validated for myself and that i feel like i need to hear people's like people's like uh, feedback to feel like i did something like i guess that goes hand in hand in basically having self-doubt and so i guess i enjoy hearing people's like comments and when they're positive they definitely definitely makes me feel much better and that like i did something um and so that's been something that i've been trying to work on definitely because then i saw like the negative impact of that um i think it made me become more like dependent on their feedbacks instead of trying to be dependent on myself to try to feel validated mm-hmm. but yeah that's definitely something that that's been driven i feel like it might also be because like of how i was raised because then i don't hear often like how being validated yeah i think that's definitely a biggest thing um that was lacking before little child yeah I that too. <laughs> um and yeah i think that's and like the biggest fear i guess like we talked about unwanted but also like being loved because like i don't know i guess like um i think this goes alongside to like being very emotional i don't know how to control that <laughs> so i feel like it's kind of like really like losing control and then and then that's like um what was mentioned earlier right about the in the in the description um mm-hmm. yeah. and also like Gloria, what you said like that like it's it's hard to change and how we discuss like maybe it comes from childhood like maybe i think that kind of like stemmed from being bullied before um so i kind of like lost that kind of sense of love for myself and yeah. so i guess like losing that sense of like love for myself um caused me to seek for validation yeah <laughs> and i guess like that's why it's always been like a biggest impact because like even though it was like based on like physical features that I was bullied i think it kind of messed me up mentally <laughs> um because i still see that but not as much which i'm kind of glad about <laughs> It's okay. Whenever you need validation, we're here. Tyty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we can go through your levels of development. Um, if you're so at your very, very lowest level, the very unhealthy one, level nine, you are able to excuse and rationalize what you do since you feel abused and victimized by others and are bitterly resentful and angry um i don't know this word somatization of their aggression results in chronic health problems as you they vindicate themselves by falling apart and burdening others generally corresponds to histronic personality order and fetishist disorder um, wow wait what is that <laughs> Uh, you can look this up. Sound uh, aggressive. 
Yeah, I mean, this is like the worst case scenario, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like a personality disorder of uh, characterized by a pattern of excessive attention-seeking behaviors. But at the best, uh, you become <laughs> deeply unselfish, humble, and altruistic, giving unconditional love to self and others. Feel it is privileged to be in the lives of others. Um, I definitely feel like the worst case scenario has some sl- truth to it. Um, I think definitely like I felt like I never got the attention, um, and so it kind of made me look for that whether like doing something so that I get that like attention or like that like I guess again like the validation. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with each other, mm-hmm. um, and. Let's see. Um, hmm, but in what ways do you like look for attention? <laughs> this is this sounds so bad. Um, I guess like I guess this one goes towards like being appreciated and being loved is what, like when I help other people, which again like that's why I feel like it's kind of selfish. It's okay to be selfish sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I guess like that's why it stood out to me because like I feel like I sometimes do it just so that I can feel like I'm needed. Oh my god, this is so sad. <laughs> all the all the things like go hand in hand to like to too close to home. Um, of like oh like I can help you, so that means that must mean that I am worth something, kind of. That like mm-hmm. have a place, um, yeah. Yeah, this is so sad. What the hell? So it's, it's kind of like that satisfaction of like when you cook. This is just an example. Like if you cook for somebody and then they're like so happy when they eat it, you know. Oh, when you say that, I guess. Yeah. That, yeah. I know that brings me satisfaction too. Like when you're yeah. just like yes, like. <laughs> I guess now you yeah, need me to like, cook for you every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I see that at home where, or even at school, like I can cook. I feel like that's a thing that I, a skill that I have that I can give to others so that I can get like that validation. Um, mm-hmm. Like at home, I like, I hate, I try to like restrict this and just believe in myself, but like I always ask for feedback of like oh like how did it taste or like oh did you like it and i think that's a telling sign like did you like it because i feel like that's like me getting some source of like satisfaction or like validation that i could do something and i feel like definitely in times like this where i feel like i don't have anything going that like that getting that small like oh like grass of like oh like i did something definitely feels good yeah and i think that like that's like uh, indirect way of feeling getting attention i guess mm-hmm. that like oh i have the skill and so can let me show it in this manner so that i can like i can be known yeah. oh my god this is so sad <laughs> <laughs> it's okay yeah, yeah um, i mean once you know about this you can definitely you know work on it and yeah. i mean at level one at your best it sounds like it's sounds amazing yeah like unconditional love to self and others and that you feel like you're you know it's a privilege to be in other people's lives and you're just yeah you've like 
accepted yourself as just someone who doesn't need like validation from other people and like that you're just unconditional yeah i guess like i like for that part like in some relationships ships whether it be friendships or others like i do see that when it's but i feel like that's when i'm out of a hole or like i feel good that like i can just do it and i don't expect anything back you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so that's why like sometimes i'm like oh dang like i i feel good and like i feel really happy um like all i care about is just to and just to like try to help how much i can like it doesn't matter um Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah i guess that's like it's always been like a slightly battle between that kind of behavior um but definitely like i feel like i've been trying my best to like do better and to like you don't always have to like be feeling your 100 percent all the time and like always but yeah um yeah Uh, we can go on to addictions or as we have found out warnings <laughs> potential addictions uh, it says abusing foods and over-the-counter medications what the heck <laughs> <laughs> uh binging especially on sweets and carbohydrates um overeating from feeling love starved and in, ca- in extreme cases bulimia uh hypochondria to look for sympathy i don't know what hypochondria it sounds like some biology thing what about like binge eating um Um, binge eating on especially sweets and carbohydrates so good i i feel like i wouldn't actually like binge on sweets or like maybe carbohydrates but i feel like i started to binge more so like recently or like towards my recent years like i i feel like i've never binged before but i feel like that's also my way of like trying to work on my body image or like self-confidence and like just trying to eat as much as like those around me but they're usually like smaller than me so like that kind of like was like a thing <laughs> um yeah. uh so, mm. overeating from feeling love starved <laughs> but wait what is that like me i think we talked about you're not getting enough attention or love and therefore you turn to food i feel like it's usually the opposite but it wasn't until like now that like yourself yeah i like low-key sad but like i think i did that before Uh, i I mean i've definitely done that before um and i feel like it I didn't really start overeating because I feel like I usually don't overeat. Mm-hmm. Or like I probably do, but it's not like that much, you know. And it wasn't like until now that I kind of did, but also I feel like I need. I think it might be the extrovert side, but like I think I needed to like go out. But like during this quarantine, I didn't go out. I didn't move at all, and I think that's why I kind of started overeating, cooking. I think it also goes with cooking for my sister um who eats at night a lot (laughs) (laughs) so it's her fault but i don't know um (laughs) i wouldn't uh i don't know i i just wouldn't i wouldn't i don't think i um binge on sweets that much though that's good yeah yeah 
Uh, I just looked up hypochondria. It is the condition in which a person is excessively and unduly worried about having a serious illness. <laughs> it reminds me of your aunt, John. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's funny. Hypochondria for looking to look for sympathy. <laughs> it makes sense, but that makes yeah. sense. I mean, <laughs> I feel like. Like earlier on, it would just be, it would have been like me being really sad about my body image to look for sympathy. I because I think that has always been a main factor that I always think about, and I feel like that might not be a mental disorder illness, but I think it might be, because um, it dictated how I was feeling and everything. Yeah, so like that, that kind of impacted, and. I guess I cannot do that, but I don't do that anymore. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so for some growth recommendations, first and foremost, remember that you are not addressing your own needs. That if you're not addressing your own needs, it is highly unlikely that you will be able to meet anyone else's needs without problems, underlying resentments, and continued frustrations. Further, you will be less able to respond to people in a balanced way if you have not gotten adequate rest taking care of yourself properly it is not selfish to make sure that you are okay before attending to others needs it's simply common sense <laughs> so take um, care of yourself first <laughs> yeah i think i'm starting to do that a bit more um yeah good. <laughs> uh-huh. trying to watch out for myself and then try to become more conscious of your own motives when you decide to help someone while doing good things for other people is certainly an admirable trait when you do so because you expect others to appreciate you or do something nice for you in return you are setting yourself up for disappointments (laughs) got it (laughs) yeah um then lastly i guess the learn to recognize affections and good wishes of others even when these are not in terms of what you're familiar with although others may not express (laughs) their feelings in a way that you want they may be letting you know in other ways how much they care about you if you can recognize what others are giving you, you will rest more easily and knowledge that you are really loved. Love is always available, but only to the degree that we present and therefore are receptive to. Mm. Got it. And I do see that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, on to um, you, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> so I am a type 4 individualist. Okay. Um, which is very, yeah, it's the sensitive, introspective type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Those sounds kind of uh, scary words, <laughs> but let's see. It says I'm self-aware, sensitive, and reserved, um, emotionally honest, creative, personal, but also can be moody and self-conscious. So the basic fear is that I have no one or I have no identity or personal significance. And so the basic desire is to find myself and my significance in order to create an identity. Let's see. There's also the basic or the dominant emotion for a four is attempts to control the shame by focusing on how unique and special their particular talents, feelings, and personal characteristics are. Fours highlight their individualities and creative creativity as a way of dealing with their shameful feelings 
although fours are the type that most likely to scum towards feelings of inadequacy. Fours also manage their shame by cultivating rich romantic fantasy life in which they do not have to deal with whatever in their life seems drab or uninteresting to them. Um, yeah. Do you think these are true? <laughs> it sounds very, like when you first read it, it sounds so like dramatic, right? And it's like, oh shit, that's like very heavy. Um, yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, it's like, what did it say? Like, creating fantasy lives? I I feel like I always, like, envision, like, if I were to be, like, super rich or whatever, like, I could be doing all these You're things. You're going to say that. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do that actually a lot. Um, or just, yeah. like, try to, like, envision what, like, my dream house would be like and, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, um and then definitely the fear of no identity or personal significance and to be able to find significance i mean i thought it always came with like people randomly just wondering about like what's the meaning of life <laughs> but i don't know do i do that more than most people i don't know <laughs> it also says that um I Fours like to maintain their identity by seeing themselves as fundamentally different from others, unlike other human beings, and consequently that no one can understand them or love them adequately. Very true from our past <laughs> discussions. <Yeah. laughs> we already know that. Yeah, I I honestly don't even know like how these thoughts came to be. It's just like it, I just I feel I feel like this now. <laughs> That's so it was interesting. Like a very long time too. Like even like in middle school, I always thought I was like different from other people. <laughs> different, but like it's always like ah, I'm different than other people, so people don't understand me. But then it's not actually like that. But I'm just like digging a hole for myself. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting how like these thoughts can be formed because I don't know where it would come from. That's so interesting. Maybe when you go see a therapist next time, you can bring this up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And tell us about it, because I'm also curious as well. What yeah. do you do? It's like um, how these things, like, stem from, like, what you guys mentioned, how, like, I feel like from talking about all of these traits, like, I feel like we all came from, like, different backgrounds, which kind of molded us to, like, how we are now. And then now we're just trying to figure out. It's like we're going forward and then going backwards to trace back to, like, the origin and something. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's not even, like, how these thoughts come up for me. It's more like I use them as excuses, right? Like, this sounds really bad. But when I first went to Kip, I, like, like the first, like, couple months i was at kip i was i was thinking like ah i'm from i was from like a public um <laughs> middle school and now i'm here and like i'm different from everyone because i experienced like a public middle school for a year <laughs> and stuff like that and like obviously like it wasn't gonna make a big difference where i came from it was just i was just creating excuses for myself that i, I wasn't mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't fitting in and stuff. Um, yeah. And now it's like I go to college and I'm at Penn and that's like, uh, but I'm from KIPP and the, they have connections to Penn and so I don't actually belong here and I'm like different because I got into Penn with like the KIPP-Penn partnership. 
or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. I always turn yeah. to those as an excuse for whatever I'm feeling. Mm. Um and then also fours often report that they feel that they are missing something in themselves, although they might have difficulty identifying exactly what that something is. <laughs> I feel like I just have a lot of problems with identifying a lot of things I'm feeling. Because <laughs> I, I feel um, like from what you previously mentioned that like you um, you kind of like I, I I don't know if this is tied to it, but I feel like when you kind of told us that you would, you wouldn't qualify the th- little things that you do as like something as accomplishments, and I feel like your idea of like accomplishment is just really unique, know, like, unique, <laughs> different. <laughs> I'm kidding, but like um, <laughs> that like maybe like that, like from just hearing that, it's just like you no, know, it kind of seems like you do have like difficulty identifying accomplishments in general yeah i guess it's like this one also just like ties in really well with the myers-briggs one because the myers-briggs was talking about like unique perspective and stuff and then now it's like yeah but i'm so different that i don't even have close friends because no one understands me (laughs) because i'm so different (laughs) and you guys are kind of like seeing things in like a a deep struggling light Yeah. yeah more like internal yeah, yeah it's really internalized um i can quickly go through like the levels of development for fours um at the most unhealthy level level nine despairing feeling hopeless and becoming self-destructive probably abusing alcohol or drugs to escape an extreme emotional breakdown or suicide is likely general oh corresponds gosh. to generally corresponds to avoidant depressive narcissistic personality disorders jesus that's kind of scary yeah um but then at the best is profoundly creative expressing the personal and universal right expressing the personal and the universal probably in work of art inspired self-renewing and regenerating able to transform all their experiences into something valuable self-creative it just said creative like 10 times in this sentence. I don't know what it's saying. That you're creative. <laughs> Dude, sometimes I hate the word creative because it's such like a general word that like, what does creative actually mean? But yeah, um, that's the level of development for addictions, overindulgence in rich foods, sweets, alcohol to alter mood, to socialize, and for emotional consolation, lack of physical activity, bulimia, depression, tobacco, prescription drugs, heroin for social anxiety, cosmetic surgery to erase rejected features. Heck, how do they even come up with these? We do last one. But first, wait, first. Okay. I do eat a lot of sweet foods. Yes. Yeah. I love sweets. But I don't, it's like, I don't even feel bad about it because it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alcohol to alter mood? Um, Not necessarily. Like, I'm also someone that doesn't need alcohol to have fun. Like, I've been screaming since I was, like, a kid. Yeah. So, like, it's, I don't need it. But it's also nice. And... I mean, I'm down. <laughs> uh, for yeah, 
And then lack of physical activity that used to be me for a very long time, like in high school, basically, until mm-hmm. I joined line dancing and then I'm forced to do physical activity. But yeah, it's hard for me to do it on my own if I don't have someone telling me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no tobacco and prescription drugs or anything. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Heroin. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't done it. That kind of escalated. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Uh, The cosmetic surgery to erase rejected features. Um, For a very long time, I always wanted double eyelid surgery. Yeah. Yeah. But I've actually, I think I've come to a point where I actually like them a lot more than getting double eyelids. Because every time, like, I do get double eyelids from, like, puffy eyes, I just, I can't do it. It's, it looks so bad. <laughs> it looks really? weird on me, I feel like. Mm. Mm, interesting. Like, I'm used to my monolids, and, like, I know how to work with them now for makeup, so, like, I don't even hate them anymore. I think they're nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at some point in the beginning, when I first started using makeup, I was like, dude, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I like, you, yeah. I'll, I'll always remember you always struggling with, like, the liner and talking yeah. about how, like, you basically had to make a badass line. Oh, my. Because, I remember. Like, it will always, like, cover, like, 90% of it. Yeah. You know, to show, like, a line. A I remember, line. yeah, I remember you showed me your eyeliner, and it was, like, yeah. half of your eye. I was like, holy. <laughs> yeah, it was a struggle. Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom has double eyelid surgery, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's why I think I was also a little more, like, okay with, like, or, like, wanting to do it at some point. Mm-hmm. But I don't want it anymore. It looks scary. Every time I, I saw a bunch of YouTube videos for people doing eyelid surgery, it just looks so disgusting and painful. Mm-hmm. Oh, my friend got it, actually. How does it look? Yeah. Like- uh, I think you could choose, like, to the extent of how much of a double eyelid you want mm-hmm. and like she got like the natural looking ones so i feel like she kind of looks similar <laughs> oh. it's just like without the flap yeah just without the flap and there's like a little bit of like yeah like, but yeah. yeah it's just to make it look more natural or something but, yeah, I had, like, a, I knew someone who did it. It was when I was in China doing, like, my summer camp thing when we are like, the summer camp teachers. And my roommate, um, who was also another teacher, she recently, like, literally got it, like, a month before the summer camp. And then I only found out because I was looking through her Instagram and she was like, yeah, those pictures aren't going to look like me because I just got eyelid surgery. I was oh. like, <laughs> but, yeah, like... They definitely made a difference, but it looked nice on her, and she, like, I mean, I think she already looked really nice, yeah. and then it just kind of enhanced her features, mm-hmm. but it yeah. still looks so painful. Like, her eyes yeah. were kind of puffy still, because she was still recovering. Yeah, I think my, when I saw my friend, because she went to Korea to get it done, like, before oh, school wow. started, mm-hmm. and, like, she had, like, bruising and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, it looks painful. But she says not, it doesn't hurt. So, mm. I mean, if if you feel like you don't need it anymore, then yeah. But it's good that you actually, like, accepted it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I that's something I'm pretty proud of. <laughs> get that yeah, I've gone through this sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, we can end this off with the personal recommendation, growth recommendations. It says, don't pay too much attention to your feelings. They're not a true source of support for you. <laughs> well, geez. <laughs> Uh, remember this advice from our present perspective, we can also see that one of the most important mistakes for make fours make is to equate themselves with their feelings. The fallacy to understand themselves, they must understand the feelings. The fallacy is that they must understand themselves to understand themselves is that they must understand their feelings, particularly the negative ones before acting. Fours do not see that the self is not the same as its feelings or the presence of negative feelings and it does not preclude that the presence of good in themselves interesting wow that's actually pretty i, I feel, always thought that you have to like understand your feelings to understand yourself huh that's an interesting thought wow um <laughs> The next one says avoid putting things off until you're in the right mood. <laughs> oh no. They got you there. That's literally me with any projects I want to do. I'm just like, you know, when I'm in the mood, I'll edit that video. And yeah. when I'm in the mood, I'll like start this thing again. Yeah. But, and then the mood never comes and I never get it done. Yikes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it says commit yourself to be productive and meaningful work that will contribute to your good and that of others, no matter how small the contribution may be. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, and then lastly, avoid lengthy conversations with your imaginations, particularly if they're oh. negative, resentful, or excessively romantic. These conversations are essentially unreal and the best only rehearsals for action. Although, as you know, you almost never say or do what you imagine you will. <laughs> Oh my gosh, oh my damn. Gosh. They're like calling Poor you dude. out. <laughs> but this is so accurate. This is kind of scary. Whoa. Instead of spending time imagining your life and relationships, begin to live them. Bro, that's literally me when I was like, senior year is going to be my year and I'm oh. going to do all these things. But I'm literally just talking about it and I kind of know that I wouldn't go out and like make friends or whatever. <laughs> It's because it's because it's because of Rona. You have planned. <laughs> yeah, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's it's mother's na mother nature's fault. Yeah. Well, um, that was interesting. I guess like a one more question. Like I yeah. guess like all of us ha have like pretty different personalities, and like looking at as we like discuss these little things, like. Do you see how, like, that somehow formed our, like, little trio? Or, like... You, you oh, we're so me? weird. <laughs> <laughs> we just happen to be friends because no one else wants to be friends with us. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> yeah, <Gloria. laughs> there, I mean, there, there are probably connections, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, I mean, Jung is just a loyalist, so she's just going to be friends with us forever because she's Dang. loyal. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophia is always out here trying leaves. to. <laughs> and Sophia is always trying to help us to feel better about herself. I don't know how to include myself in there. I'm just 
and then I'm just sitting here like, what I do with my life? I was going to say like, oh, like I feel like we kind of meshes because like we also we have like the low key extrovert side and then the low key like being just being more straightforward and shit like that. But okay. No, no, no. Wait, oh, that's trying to be cute and <laughs> Gloria just calling all of us out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Please go ahead with your analysis. Hey, this is uh, her insensitive side. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess. Never mind. Any connections, John? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> kind of just worked out this way <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean we definitely do like build characteristics off of each other i feel like um yeah. so even if this friendship wasn't formed because of our personalities we definitely probably built a lot of our personality around each other yeah. and we can kind of see it reflect through our results we have a lot of similar things and some different things yeah but yeah yeah so i think this is also kind of a long one but uh thanks for listening again um please let us know what you would want us to talk about in our instagram we would love to hear um and follow us on the instagram at pass the boba podcast and we'll see you next time thanks for listening yeah bye bye